and welcome to episode number 149 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Brad Allen, where we run down all of the week's NFL games. You can follow Brett at Brett Colson. You can follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL. You can follow me if you want to at Matt Brown M2. You can follow the main account at the Lions US. If you are watching us on YouTube, hello. If you are not watching us on YouTube, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Play Picks, our sister site, Play Picks over there. Uh, we are into the super mega awesome playoff round here. I don't think I ever want to go back. It hasn't even happened yet, but three and three seems like the perfect wild card weekend to me. Guys, um, we're going to do this a little bit different than normal. Where we're Since there's only six games, we'll spend a little bit longer time and try to talk, to, talk through all angles here because we know with all these being island games, they're all going to be popular. You guys are looking for uh, ways to bet. You know, we know that wherever we're leaning, you might be leaning the other way way we'll try to talk through the other side of these things as well to give you a complete look at all of these games and then of course we'll certainly let you know how either we're betting it or whatever lean we have as well so let's uh let's kick things off here guys with the first game on saturday that is going to be the indianapolis colts and the buffalo bills that is 10 o'clock pacific one o'clock eastern time we are sitting with a spread of six and a half right now Across the board, DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, BetMGM, all of those six and a half, a total of 51 across the board outside of BetMGM where they have a hook on it at 51 and a half. As we look at this game, of course, the big news as we head in, is there any injuries that we're going to be watching on the Colts side of things? DeForest Buckner back practicing, that's good for them. Rocky Sin, though, starting corner, not practicing for the Colts as of Thursday. So that is a bit concerning starting cornerback for this team that is going to be facing, of course, one of the best passing attacks in all the NFL in the Buffalo Bills. On the Bills side of things, does not look good for Cole Beasley. He has now not practiced all the way into Thursday. There is some concern with Steph Diggs as well. However, uh, Brett, if you follow Brett on Twitter, which you should again, I told him he said he's going to try to tweet at least five times a week now. He's got one in the book here on Thursday, so he's only got four more through the end of the week. Did uh, retweet a video in which uh, showed Steph Diggs kind of breaking it down out there on the field. Uh, there was a little Bills dance party that was going on, and uh, Steph Diggs seemed to be part of that. So it didn't look like he was uh, incredibly injured, at least with his dance moves anyway. So I would say likely we see Diggs, uh, not likely that we see Beasley. So Beasley, let's start. By the way, Beasley returned to practice today. He did get back out there. Yes. Well, that is uh, that is that is a uh, very, very good for uh, that is very, very good for this Bills team then, because that was that was like a most of the beat writers I was looking at were saying they did not expect him to play this week. So that is uh, that is very, very good news. And of course, they got John Brown back last week as well. So even if Beasley's not able to go, it's not one of those scenarios where it's all doom and gloom. John Brown is back out there and Gabriel Davis has emerged for this team as well. So Brett, we'll start with you as we do every single time whenever we talk about the Bills. So let's uh let's take this from the angle of the Bills. If people are looking to bet on the Bills in this game, we are looking at a six and a half point spread. What is the likeliest path to victory for this Bills team that also includes winning by a touchdown? Because that's what you're going to need to cover the six and a half that we're sitting on right now. Well, the, the likeliest path is having all these receivers. 
because mm. everything really starts with this passing game. Um, you know, usually when we're talking about players who move betting lines, we're talking about quarterbacks and maybe like a handful of edge rushers in the league. But I mean, if the Bills don't have Beasley and Diggs and some of these guys, there's definitely value in this Colts line if those guys don't play. But it does look like those, you know, Beasley and Diggs are trending towards playing. Um, and I, I fully expect all of them to play if, if they're ready to go. So, I mean, that that to me is is the path. If all these guys are healthy, if they have the full, the full group of receivers in time for the playoffs, that's huge. When you mm-hmm. add John Brown, I mean, that's, that's such, such a dangerous, uh, dangerous passing arsenal here. Um, I would say I, I want to get your guys thoughts on this. I think this will get back to seven. When, when more money starts coming in. So, I mean, I, I think, I mean, right now you got to pay juice on the six and a half for the Colts. So it's, it doesn't, doesn't look like it's headed to seven yet. But I think as we get closer to Saturday, that's a possibility. So, I mean, I, I'm thinking if you want to bet the bills, I would do it now before it get, gets back to seven. Obviously, the key number is seven. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, Brad, I'll, I'll ask you kind of the same question here. So the... The you know the the one thing that the Bills have been able to do, and I understand that the Colts' pass defense. If you look at the advanced metrics, it rates pretty well. We're looking at a we're looking at a defense here that is, uh, according to PFF, that is eighth overall defense. Their pass defense is sitting at sixth overall, according to Pro Football Focus, eighth overall DVOA pass defense. Um, and if you kind of look at at how they've been uh, how they've been functioning all year long, has been kind of a bend but don't break defense. That said, we have seen this defense give up some points we have seen this defense give up some yards in various games throughout the course of the year and we know that the strength of this Bills team is that pass offense here so do you agree with Brett that like the likeliest path to victory here for the Bills that also covers the six and a half as we see the line sitting right now would just be essentially this pass deep this pass offense just dominates what could be you know one of the better pass defenses that they played this year uh yes i th- i i think the bills do put up their points um you know i think they've, they've just got stronger throughout the year that you know they're you look at any metric there the bills are top five offense in pretty much any metric you look at um as at indy the stats you say they are they're good but i don't think they're difference maker good you know they've had a relatively easy schedule mm-hmm. um and as you say whenever they've stepped up competition that i think they've struggled um and one stat i found quite interesting is so the colts had the fourth best qbr allowed in the nfl when they got to the quarterback within two and a half seconds um but if they didn't get there in two and a half seconds uh they were 29th in the nfl in qbr allowed um and for the bills so what does that mean for the bills well josh allen ranks uh, second in the league in passing yards and QBR when holding on to the ball for more than two and a half seconds. So in other words, he, he likes to stand in there in the pocket. He trusts his, off, he trusts his offensive line, which is a top five unit by pass block win rate. Um, so I think he's going to stand back there. He's got all four, you know, he's probably got like five good receivers with McKenzie and Davis as well, as well as Beasley, Diggs and Brown. Um, and I think he's going to, he's going to carve them up essentially is, is what I think is going to happen. Um, and then it's you know it's a case of, of can Philip Rivers keep up, um, and it's it's going to be cold in Buffalo. Um, the Bills' defense has been getting a lot better since we saw them early in the season when they had injuries in the secondary at linebacker. You know they they've been a top ten unit over the second half of the season, and and they've been a good unit for for a few years now under McDermott. So do I think Philip Rivers chasing the game uh, is what the Colts want? 
No, I don't. So, one last thing before I'll give it back to you is there the the best matchup edge the Colts have is on in the run game. They, they they've got a they've got a top ten run run offense, and the the Bills' weakness is run defense. But I don't know how long you can stick with that. While on the other side, you you've probably got Josh Allen slicing and dicing. So, I think at some point you're forced out of that run game, and uh, then you start to get in a bit of trouble. I think. Brett, let's make a case for the Colts here. If we, you know, we have some people that are watching this that want to, or are listening to this, that want to be on the Colts in this game. And especially let's say it does make it to seven. Like you said, um, you know, one of the things we've seen is late action on these lines, whenever injury news is confirmed, uh, you know, even when people are reading the tea leaves, a lot of the, the, the line movement doesn't come until everything is officially official. So let's just say that this thing is still sitting at six and a half, because there is that question mark around Cole Beasley. There is that question mark around Steph Diggs, And then we're going to be here on, you know, either late Friday and we get a Schefter bomb or on Saturday morning and uh, we find out okay both of these guys are good to go this thing moves let's say to the seven what do let's make a case here for the Colts and I think first and foremost would be you know would this be it's been a while since Josh Allen's had a bad game right and maybe he's just not that guy anymore maybe he's just not that player that makes the boneheaded throws though that being said he does rank pretty high on PFF's uh turnover worthy throw uh, percentage actually he's he's kind of up there in that metric if you believe in that metric if you believe in that being you know something that we're gonna we're gonna look into so um maybe Josh Allen has a bad game maybe we're looking at a scenario where the the Colts do just run wild with Jonathan Taylor who has been uh, one of the best if not the best rookie running back in the league this year so let's make a case for the Colts here what do you if we're at the end of if we're at the the end of the game on Saturday and this is only a field goal game or the Colts win outright how did that happen uh it it happened maybe because the Colts are better than we think and the Bills I think the problem with the Bills especially in the betting market right now is that all the value is sucked out of this team everybody mm-hmm. is wanting to bet the flashy offense uh they want they've ripped off a bunch of wins in a row in dominating fashion. They were the best team against the spread this year. Everybody wants to bet on the bills and this number might be inflated. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we get a three point game with the Colts, because maybe the Colts are only, you know, three, four, five points worse than the bills Mm -hmm. in, in, you know, on the road like this. The other question is how much is home field being built into this line? I feel like this one is, impacted a little bit more in the market just because it's the first time all year bills have had fans in attendance. There's going to be weather issues. We're talking about a quarterback in Phillip rivers who's aging. He's going to be in cold weather. This is a guy who has played in optimal conditions in California. Most of his career, he played in a dome in Indy this year. How will he be impacted? But this is also a quarterback who has been through it all. I mean, the guy has been in the, in the league for a long time. He's not getting rattled by a limited capacity uh stadium in the mm-hmm. playoffs. So I think for me it just it just looking at this number it might be inflated just because of how well the Bills have played lately. The the recency bias here and you've got a lot of casual fans coming in and betting on the Bills and that might uh force this number up. I do think though a lot of smart people are are going to be uh keeping it at 
six and a half, seven in, mm-hmm. in you know, buying the resistance uh, if it does get to like a seven and, and keeping this around six and a half, because it, it does it does feel like this number, if it gets to seven, is too high for the bills. All right, Brad. So uh, let's talk about the total here at 51, 51 and a half as it sees right now. Like I said, the the only number, the only total number that I actually keep in uh, as far as like, you know, quote unquote, key number is 51 these days. That is like the only one that I actually do pay a, a decent amount of attention to a lot of combinations to get to 51. Um, and, and again, we've, uh, we've gotten to a point where the average game, you know, sits around 50 these days. And so with 51 being kind of the, one of the key numbers with, as far as the total. So, um, I don't know if you have a lean one way or the other, but make a case for either the over or the under in, in this, uh, in this game. So I have bet the first quarter and the first half over here. Um, and that, that's basically on the strength of the, the scripts from both teams. So I've got the Colts with the second best EPA per pass play in the entire NFL in, in scripted plays. Um, and then the, the Bills down there at fifth. Um, so I bet first quarter over 10, you can get around evens. And then I bet first half over 24 and a half. Um, I've got minus 105 on that is, is, is about where I would stop as well. Um, the full game, I'm a little bit more worried. So I, I, I do think the Bills will move the ball and it, I wouldn't put you off a Bills team total. Um, but I'm a bit worried about the Colts. As I say, when, when the script runs out and the Bills pass rush is just teeing off because we, we know the Colts can be down to their third left tackle. Um, and the Bills pass rush is, is sneaky good actually it's probably one of the most underrated units in this game it's, it's, it's top five by um, pass, rush, pass rush win rate so um, I, I think they can get home and, and put pressure on uh, dead arm Philip so um, Brett then uh, that's a case for the over let's make a case for the under in this thing sitting let's say if you wanted to play over it at MGM 51 and a half um, a case for the under, I think uh, one of the deals is, look, both of these guys aren't necessarily turnover prone quarterbacks. Um, so we're not going to be dealing with short fields. We're not going to be dealing with strip sacks. We're not going to be dealing with pick sixes more likely than not, um, which obviously helps us get to overs a ton. And whenever we do look at, you know, how these offenses function, I mean, I think the Colts first and foremost would like to, you know, ride Jonathan Taylor as much as humanly possible if that does happen to be the, you know, the best start to work for them early in the game. So, you know, if we were looking towards an under, maybe that could be a path to 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 how we get to the under in this thing. It's just the fact that, you know, short turnovers with short fields and pick sixes and strip sacks that, you know, we look for with guys with some of these guys are a little bit more willy nilly with the ball and stuff uh, aren't necessarily, you know, in this game. And then also, uh, I think that the Colts best best path to victory might be trying to just run the ball down the bill's throat. Yeah. You just laid it out. I mean, I I think that is the path to the under is, I mean, I I think if you're, if you like the Colts here, you have to like the under too, because if if they Mm -hmm. do end up in positive game flow and they're, they're in the lead early, that's, that's going to be what they want to do is pound the ball with, with Jonathan Taylor, 25 plus times into this bill's run defense, which has been the leakiest part of the defense all season long. They're healthier now, especially in the middle of the field. Now that Matt Milano is back, but this is still uh, for years has been a a defense that you can run on and they're all they also might want to do that to keep this this Bills offense off the field that was the the mm-hmm. the blueprint that the the Chiefs showed earlier in the year when they just ran the ball with Clyde 25 or 26 times and the Bills just couldn't get into a flow on offense that I think that is the game plan that the Colts should have coming into this game and if they're successful 
from the start. I don't see why this could go under 51 and a half most of the time. Yeah. And I like the way that you, you brought up the correlation here too, because I was, as I'm looking at the player props and so Jonathan Taylor's rush yardage is set at 73 and a half over at DraftKings. So I'm kind of along the same line as you on that one, that if you like the Colts in this situation, especially if you like them to win outright, right? If you, if you think the Colts win this game outright, if you think this is an upset, then you're probably leaning over 73 and a half on Jonathan Taylor as far as rushing yards. If you think this is a, if you think this is a Colt, uh, Bill's whitewash and you think that this is a, you know, they're just going to blow them out and then the Colts are going to be playing from behind the whole game, then you're going to want to come in on the under on Jonathan Taylor. He's the only guy with a rushing prop over 37 and a half yards. Zach Moss sitting at 37 and a half, Singletary at 29 and a half, Naeem Hines at 23 and a half, and then Josh Allen is at 25 and a half. So um, whenever you, whenever you kind of look at those rushing totals, would you, would you kind of agree with that analysis? It's kind of like you, how you figure the game is going to go, who you think is going to win should also dictate how, how you you bet these props. Absolutely. I always correlate props with the script that, that I foresee happening more often than not. I think that that's, that's the way you have to, to attack props. If you want to correlate with a, with an over under or, or a spread. Yeah. Brad, I mean, any thought at all on uh, the passing prop for Josh Allen is set at basically 300 yards, 299 and a half. Um, that is uh, obviously 300 yard passing prop is quite a lot. But we're saying, hey, look, this is one of the most prolific passing offenses in the NFL. And we assume that their best path, best path to victory is being able to pass all over this Colts defense. Uh, any thoughts at all on 299 and a half? the big games a bit a bit like the Patriots in recent years when they know they need to win they want to put the ball in the hands of their best player and I think that's Josh Allen um, and one passing prop I did like the look of was Allen over 37 and a half attempts um, I think they, they've gone over that in like seven of the last eight games um, as I say I think they just trust him now and you know they, they know they're a passing team and they're, they're willing to chuck chuck the ball and I also don't think they'll stop throwing the ball even if they're up um, kind of saw last week against the Dolphins or against the Patriots before that you know they they're not they're, they're mm. not trying to kill the game they're just keep throwing keep throwing as many points as they can get so uh, I think over pass attempts is, is a nice look last one for you Brett you've watched this team as much as anyone and studied uh, as far as as far as the receiving yards go, um, if we assume that the success needs to come through the air and we assume that, um, you know, the best pass to victory for the, the Bills is to, is to throw the ball, Steph Diggs is at 90 yards. And I understand that that's a lot. But when we look at, you know, a guy whose passing prop is 300 yards, And if we say that, okay, their best path to victory is passing the ball, he's getting it to his best receiver. What do you think about 90 and a half on Steph Diggs? I think Matt Eberflus is going to try to take Steph Diggs away as much as possible in this game. I I trust this guy to to put together a game plan as well as anybody Mm -hmm. really on the defensive side of the ball. So I would probably lean under. I think he's going to try to force Josh Allen to use his other receivers. Uh, t- to win this football game. So I, that's kind of the way I'm looking at this. Obviously, all it's going to take is maybe two plays for, for Diggs to hit yeah. that over. But right. um, I, I think I think the Colts are, are going to really focus on Steph Diggs in this game and try to force these other guys to beat him. All right, so let's wrap this game up with uh, either plays we have or plays we are looking at or any sort of leans. Brett, I'll start with you. 
I am going to wait and see if I can get the Colts at plus seven. That would be my play. I, I just think the the Bills are just too trendy right now. I, f- I feel like this line is a little inflated. And the, the Colts, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Colts just win this football game. And I think they have offensively, they're, they're strong enough in the run game to kind of take the air out of this, this Bills offense and uh, kind of stun everybody. So that would be my play is Colts plus seven, maybe uh, maybe a money line bet there too, kind of a life hedge because I obviously don't want to see that happen. But um, again, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being a three point game. Yeah, I uh, I was about to say maybe maybe us asking how this is going to go and asking you is probably a bad thing because you're always <laughs> going to try to lean towards the the bad. Uh, Brad, what do you have in your account? What are you looking at and um, and 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 everything with this one? I have the the first quarter over 10. I have the first half over 24 and a half. I've got some Bills minus six and a half. Um, And the last one I would look at would be Bills in play when the Colts script runs out, probably midway through the second quarter. Um, Yeah, if you can get, you know, Bills close to even money if they're behind. um, Mm -hmm. I, I like that as well. I have the, uh, it's going to come as no surprise to anyone. I have the Bills and a teaser leg paired up with another game a little bit later, uh, taking this down to basically a pick em. This, uh, I do believe they win this game, but I am a little, I'm mildly nervous about how it plays out. I'd be much more confident should Cole Beasley be able to go in this one. So in the account right now is Bills on a teaser leg. The other thing I'm going to be watching is that Cole Beasley news as to whether he goes or whether he doesn't. If he does not go, I'm going to be taking overs on either Gabriel Davis or John Brown receiving yards, depending on what those numbers are. If he does go, I'll be looking to take an under specifically on John Brown receiving yards uh, because I imagine they'll be a little bit inflated. And so I'll be specifically looking at unders on that. So a lot of, uh, so a couple of prop bets that do hinge on what Cole Beasley is going to be able to do. We should know something Friday night that tends to leak, you know, these people, these insiders get these information. So uh, be sure and take a look at, at, you know, your curated Twitter list, which you should have by now. And if not, I'll try and help out. Brad will try to help out. Brad will try and help out with any information that comes out with these games. All right, so let's take a look at the second game on Saturday. This is going to be the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. The big news here is Sean McVay says he's not uh, he's not going to let us know who is uh, playing quarterback for the Rams ahead of time. So cool. We're only betting on this stuff. So thanks for that. Um, he did. We did have uh, Jared Goff back at practice, according to some people who saw that part of practice. The, the quote unquote was spinning it good. So, uh, you know, maybe it's Goff. Maybe it's Wolford. They did get Cooper Cup and Andrew Whitworth back at practice as well. Cam Akers was a full participant in practice as well. On the Seahawks side of the ball, starting defensive tackle Jaron Reed was practicing. That's good for them. And Jamal Adams says, despite his shoulder injury, he is going to play. You are not keeping Jamal Adams out of this game, I imagine, after he had spent his career with the Jets. Uh, He finally gets a playoff game here. I imagine he's going no matter what. So Brad, let me start with you. Uh, quick thoughts on, on this one, how you think everything plays out. Well, the, the, the key is golf, isn't it? I, mm-hmm. from what I can gather from the Twitter doctors, this sort of thing, seems like they expect golf to play. Um, you know, he, he wasn't practiced throwing it about, but uh, I mean, that, that puts me off the rounds to be honest, because I think one thing we've seen in the market this year 
is if when players are in, when players who are questionable with some sort of injury, especially quarterbacks, when they're in, the market seems to be treating them as if they're a hundred percent. Like Danny Dimes with his hamstring, it was treated as if he was, it was a full go. Kyler Murray when he had the shoulder. He, he wasn't running, but the first game or two, he, he was priced as if he was a full go. Um, and that seems to be what's starting to come into this line now. It, it seems to be dropping down, um, you know, from sort of plus five down to plus three and a half, I think on the presumption that Goff is going to go. But if he's got a broken, you know, he's had, he's had thumb surgery a week ago. Like, I, I, I can't have any part of him. Um, you know, he's not a very good quarterback anyway. He's not, he can't yeah. run, so... You know, so if if Goff goes, I would probably like the under um, because I think a it might tick up above forty three, given you know if, if he's confirmed in, mm-hmm. and, and I don't I don't think he will be effective. And we've spoken and we've seen that the the Rams defense matches up well with the Seahawks because they they can get pressure on Russ up the middle. Um, they play that sort of you know they play seven deep. They'll bracket DK Metcalf so he can't beat them deep. And then it's kind of Tyler Lockett trying to beat you, um, and and he's been banged up and not that effective. So I don't think the Seahawks move the ball that effectively either. Um, now, if odds against chance that John Wolford plays, I reckon it might go to Rams plus six or something, and then I'll probably like the Rams again, especially Rams first half, um, because you know I, I do like the fact he can run around and uh, make a few plays. Brett, Brad, kind of kind of stole where I was going with, with this. I wanted to be on the Rams and this was sitting at four and a half a day ago and it has now moved to three at DraftKings, three and a half at FanDuel, three and a half at points bet. Um, but three, a flat three at DraftKings and, and, you know, um, I guess that's based off of this news that Jared Goff is practicing. I don't think that's necessarily a great thing. Just like Brad, I wanted to be on the Rams here badly. I wanted to get six. I was holding off because I thought we'd get to six on this thing. And I thought that we'd be able to get on the Rams at six. Now it has gone completely the other way on us. And with that, it's kind of tough for me to come in on the Rams. If anything is kind of swaying me towards maybe taking a, a deeper look at the Seahawks. That's exactly my my thoughts on the game, too. You guys know I love my backup quarterbacks, especially <laughs> one that's filling in for a QB who isn't close to 100%, clearly, and isn't all that efficient to begin with. I liked what I saw to John Wolford last week. Uh, he, once he got settled in, I mean, he's a, he's a mobile quarterback, like Brad said. He opens up the offense for the Rams, and he gives McVay another mechanism in this offense, and, and I trust McVay to be able to to scheme some offense with this guy. They were able to move the ball last week against the the Cardinals. They just couldn't Mm -hmm. punch it in. Um, So I I think we'll see a little, if he does play, I think we'll, we'll see a little more efficiency in the red zone. uh, Now that he's got some snaps under his belt, Mm -hmm. but I'm with you guys. I mean, if, if golf goes, I mean, this is probably going to close short of three. So, I mean, (laughs) if you like golf, maybe bet it now. Um, if it's Wolford, yeah, I, I think we're going to see it well, well north of three. It, it could get to six, and I, I love it. I love the Rams if we can get them at plus six with Wolford. My position comes down to who starts in this game because I, I don't see that much of a difference between a banged up Jared Goff and John Wolford right now. So if, if Goff goes, I'm leaning Hawks at a short number, uh, and if it's Wolford, I'm on the Rams, and that, that's that's how I'm going to play this. 
I know. I hate that we have to sit here and give like all these, you know, quantifiers in this, but I mean, this is just the, the way it is. I mean, Brad, one of the other things about the Rams last week, uh, they didn't have Cooper cup out there. So now Cooper cup is going, would be at Wolford's exposure as well. So, I mean, like you've got, you have not only a guy that I think, you know, look for a first start and, and, you know, playing against a, a, competent team I mean like didn't look horrible and then now you get Cooper Cup back kind of a security blanket type guy a chain mover type guy um but again I can't back this Rams team at this number that it's even sitting right now and certainly if this thing falls under three when if we get a confirmation that it's going to be Jared Goff I don't think I could keep myself off the Seahawks at that number because of Jared. I don't think Jared Goff is that much better than John Walford. I don't think Jared Goff is that much better than any of the bottom tier quarterbacks in the NFL. And so especially now you're going to tell me he's going to play a week after having a broken thumb. I mean, give me all the Seahawks, I guess. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. I'll tell you what, Bet. So. If it got to a flat three and, and Goff is in there, I, I might be on the Seahawks. Um, the, 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 I think the best bet, if we get a plus three first half on the Rams with Wolford, that that would be that would be the bet for me. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you know, it's all it's all going to depend on Jared Goff, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's crazy whenever we look at that, and that's how it is. I mean, sitting four and a half a day ago, I was feeling so good because I'm like, oh, this is easily going to get to six. Like, I'm going to get I'm going to get six on this. This is going to be, you know, my play of the damn week or whatever. And then it moves an entire point, point and a half in the other direction. So that is uh, that's pretty unfortunate when it comes down to it. Guys, are we concerned at all in this? You know, we're saying we want to back the, the, the Hawks. Should this thing get under three? Um are we concerned at all that the Hawks have kind of reverted back to what we saw in, in, in the Hawks last season? Because when the early part of the year, when we were kind of like, oh, finally, we're like Russell Wilson was the overwhelming favorite to be MVP. He's throwing all the time. He's running around everywhere. They're putting up these big numbers. Then all of a sudden, Chris Carson gets it gets healthy again. And then they've gone back to like, oh, no, we have to use Chris Carson like he is, the, you know, the greatest running back that's ever walked the face of the earth. I mean, are, are, are we concerned about that, even if even if it is golf under center for, for the Hawks, even if it does get to a flat three or under three? I am concerned um, because they, they kind of it's kind of been self or like reinforced, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. they they had they had all those bad results where the defense gave up 40 points um, and, you know, Russ made a couple of mistakes, but and and now they I think they went six and one since they recommitted to the ground game. Uh, the defense got health, healthier, you know they got reinforcements in Carlos Dunlap as well. So you know they're they're sitting at home going, well look, we started running the ball yeah. and we've won six out of the last seven. That's, this is the way to do it. Um, so yes, you know there there is a chance they do fall flat. Um, I'll tell you one thing I found interesting about uh, Wilson's statistics. So since they made this switch, he's, he's the 21st graded quarterback by PFF. Um, the offense is, is middle of the pack as well. And actually what you saw early in the season was that even on third down, um, so, so they were throwing a lot on first and second down and, and they were you know getting huge chunks. He was very highly graded. On third down, he wasn't that good. When the defense knew he was going to pass, he still wasn't that highly graded. And now he's kind of that middle of the road quarterback mm. the entire time. So I just think, as currently constituted, I, I just don't think the Seahawks team is that good. And and the defensive numbers as well, they have been puffed up by playing an absolute like what's the opposite of a murderer's row? Because right. <laughs> that's what they, that's what they faced at quarterback um, over the past seven games. You know, it's, it's Colt McCoy and Co. And, and that's why they look good. 
And, and Brett, when we take a look at this as well, I mean, like the, the, like Brad said, it's kind of a, a, they're getting this confirmation bias here that it's like, oh, we're winning because, you know, we're getting back to the run game, Chris Carson, this, and the other. But I, it really is correlated to Jamal Adams getting back in the lineup and them actually getting some sort of pass rush because they were one of the very worst pass rush teams in creating any sort of sacks, any sort of pressure, any sort of anything. And then Jamal Adams gets back in there. And as we know, he is... He is not a coverage guy. That's just not what he does. He's in there to create havoc uh, against passers and things. And and that has been a real turn for this defense. And so, um, you know, that does concern me that I do expect, you know, a, a healthy dose of Chris Carson in this game going up against this Rams defense that, as we know, one of the very best defenses on every single aspect of, of, of the game. I don't understand what the Seahawks are doing. I mean, like they weren't successful early in the year getting into those shootouts, but the offense was working. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're in 2020 where passing is everything and they just they've just given up on it here. And yeah, they're winning football games, but look who they've beaten. And the defense got healthy, like you guys said. I mean, what, what happens? Just let let Russ cook while the defense is playing as well as it has been the past several weeks. I don't understand that. And I'm with you with the Jamal Adams thing. That's huge because this was a team that has gotten substantially better uh, at, mm-hmm. at getting pressure on the quarterback with Adams in there. I've, I'm looking at the, the numbers here. Week 13, they ranked 20th in pressure rate, and now they're at 15th. I mean, that they've been getting to the quarterback, and a lot of that has to do with Adams. I and mean, if he's not in the game, I mean, what, what teams do we like to bet against Jared Goff? We like mm-hmm. teams that get to him, get hands in his face. Get like, I, If the Seahawks can't get to him, then he's going to just sit back in the pocket and he's going to be fine. So there's a lot to, there's a lot to this game. I, I, I honestly, I don't know what to do with it yet. Cause we don't know who's playing quarterback. Just a lot of uncertainty uh, right now, but yeah, I, I still think if, if, if golf goes, it's, it's hard for me to back him. Even if, uh, yeah. if Jamal Adams is out. Yeah. I think our, you know, as we kind of put a bow on this one, I think we're all under the consensus. We'd prefer to play the Rams if it's Walford, because we're going to get a better number. We're going to get a bigger number. And with that defense and with the way that the Seahawks have been playing, uh, them covering a big ish number is, you know, I don't think very likely, you know, in this, in this scenario, but it might get to a point where they force our hand to play the Seahawks. If this number continues to run because, because of, uh, you know, the Jared Goff factor being in there. So, um, you know, hate that we can't give definitives on this, but there's, I mean, you know, there's no definitive to get. We don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for this team. And uh, whenever we find out that information or when you find out that information, hopefully we gave you the, the path that we're going to be looking at as far as, uh, as betting this one, whenever it comes back around. Let's talk the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Washington football team. This number has run. Um, this thing is now all the way up to nine at DraftKings. It is nine at points bet. You can find an eight and a half at FanDuel uh, out there. And and Brett, when we take a look at this one, this is this one got weird as well, where Ron Rivera came out and said they might be looking to play two quarterbacks in this one. They might be looking to play Taylor Heineke as well as Alex Smith in, in this game, which is a little bit odd, you know, um, cons- all things considered. But, uh, you know, hey, look, they're trying to win a game. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do. On the Buck side of things, Sha- uh, Shaq Barrett is back from the COVID list. They do not look like they are going to get Devin White back from the COVID list. So that is definitely a hit on this Bucks defense, standout middle linebacker 
for this team. Uh, Mike Evans, Carlton Davis are both game time decisions, but are both practicing. So we know how that goes. It's a playoff game. The guys are practicing. They are likely to play if at all possible, if they can possibly get out there. So um, that's kind of where we sit on the injury front with all of this in the news and notes. Brett, that number, again, has risen all the way to nine at some spots. Um, what do we think about the Bucks and the Washington football team? Yeah, I certainly like the number uh, earlier in the week. But here we are. I mean, we're, we're, we're sitting with what we have right now, and that's nine. Um, I still kind of like the Bucks here. I, I, I think this is the most undervalued team in the NFC right now in the market. I, I think they're, they're, this team is built to win a Super Bowl. I mean, this is where they're going to shine. Uh, they get pressure on the quarterback. They can still, you know, they can move the ball through the air on offense. As washed as Tom Brady, as washed as his arm is, he's still the smartest guy on the field, and he's putting these playmakers in position to make big plays. I mean, we can make fun of Brady all we want, but this team still threw for 4,600 4, yards this year. Uh, they rank fifth in the NFL in pass offense DVOA. They're sixth in explosive plays. They're able to mask his arm deficiencies with excellent pass protection and elite route running with these playmakers in space. And if they can protect Brady this week against one of the league's best pass rushes, I don't see why they can't run this one up because Washington's not built to play from behind. This is not a negative script team. Uh, they're best when they're playing from ahead and then they can force the other offense to drop back so they can use these edge rushers uh, to their strength. So I, uh, I certainly would have liked to get uh, a, a lower number here, uh, but even still at nine, I'm leaning. I'm leaning Bucks. I think this could definitely be uh, a role show with Brady. Uh, I mean, this is this is where this is where Tom Brady shines. I mean, and with these playmakers, I, I think I think they're gonna make some noise here in the NFC playoffs. Brad, if we would have given people guesses on who was the number one rated pro football focused quarterback over the course of the regular season. It probably would not have taken them very long to get to uh, Aaron Rodgers, who is the number one rated quarterback in the NFL. If I would have said who was number two, it might've taken them a while to get to Tom Brady, but Tom Brady was the number two overall graded quarterback, according to pro football focus over the regular season this year. And so I think, you know, look, I fell victim to it as well. Yeah. There are some throws that he, that he can't make like he used to could make. The other thing that was shocking to me is he has one of the very highest a dots in all of the NFL as well. He is not afraid to put the ball down the field and use these receivers of his and, and let them go up and make plays and do things that, Hey, that Mike Evans and that Chris Godwin and that Antonio Brown and that Gronk are, are suited to do. And so I think I probably wrote him off a little bit too soon. I, you know, I saw just a couple of different things here and there. Yeah, he still can't move at all. He still self-sacks whenever there's any pressure on him. Yes, all of those things. But he was pretty damn good this year, and this offense is pretty damn good, and um, this uh, Washington football team offense is not. And so I think whenever we look at, yeah, that defense is very special for this Washington team and has kept them in games where they probably should have been getting run out of the stadium because they can't score. Um, but I think we look at this number, and people are going to say, man, that seems like too much against this Washington football defense. But again, where do the points come from on their side of the ball? I don't think the football team is scoring many points at all here. Um, 
you know, this game against the Eagles last week, there was all, all this furore about the, you know the Eagles tanking. Mm-hmm. But I think what what kind of got away from that was that the, the the football team couldn't put any distance between themselves and a team that was actively trying to lose the game. Um, you know, back up. There's there's Nate Subfield in there throwing to like no names. They they've rested the entire offensive line, and they they still couldn't even yeah. cover the closing number, right? Because Alex Smith, his calf is is you know is half gone. He's, he can barely move back there. Um, you know, he he's such a he's such a non-aggressive quarterback anyway. So that if he if he can't escape like the first rusher, he's literally got like a two yard dump off to McKissick. Um, his top receiver Terry McLaurin is still banged up. His top running back is still banged up. He's got he's got a he's facing a defense that's going to just throw various blitzes at him to move him off his spot, and he simply can't move at the minute. So I really don't see the the football team scoring that many points at all. So I guess the more interesting matchup and the one I'm, I'm much less confident in is what Brady can do against a defense you would think. If any defense can stop him mm-hmm. at this age, it is one you know you, you always hear rushing with four, play coverage behind it, and, and that's exactly what the football team does. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of like if if they pass this test with flying colours, I'm kind of in Brett's camp. Then like, well, who can stop them really? Because yeah, there yeah, yeah, this this is this. I think this is a big test. I, I think I think they'll do fine. I, I would guess they'll. Mm-hmm get close to their team total around there I, I, you know it's, it's tough for me to say one way or another that they're going to light them up or just get shut down completely um, as I, I find this side of the ball a bit trickier to to think about um, so I guess overall I, I would probably come down on the under 45 um, just just given the struggles that I expect the, the, uh, the football team to have so um, I talked about I had a teaser leg earlier on the Bills. Let's go ahead and put that into where it goes. And it is right here with the Bucks. Uh, Bucks at, were at eight and a half before it moved. In. There are still eight and a halfs out there. So if you want to do, if you want to play that teaser leg, it's still available. Um, I took the eight and a half to two and a half to get it to a field goal. If there's any sort of struggle to, to put up a ton of points here, which I don't, I'm, I have a weird feeling that I'm not all that concerned about it, but um, but even if so, gets it under a field goal, the Bucs are going to win this game for everything that I think that we just said, which is I don't know how the football team scores enough points to win this game. Now, whether no matter what your opinion is on Tom Brady, and again, the advanced statistics say your opinion is probably wrong, but whatever your opinion is on Tom Brady, he has gotten it done this year, and uh, it seems as if it, the longer Antonio Brown has been with his team, the more they have got him involved, the bigger part of this offense he has become. And now you have a trio of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. I mean, good luck on on stopping that, you know. And so for me, uh, really like the Bucks here in in a teaser leg. And if I had to if I had to play this game straight, I I think I would lay it. You know, um, I think there is a chance for this game to get completely out of control. And I, I do think that the Bucks have a chance to roll this one. So uh, I'm all over. I'm all over the Bucks in a lot of different ways. When we look uh, real quick, guys, at the at the player props in this one, the only one I wanted to to throw out there would be if you buy into the Bucks winning this game and rolling Leonard Fournette's rushing uh, prop is set at 20 yards. Would you not think, and Brad, I'll, I'll go to you on this one. Cause you know, this is uh, sort of a DFS ish kind of hmm. t- question, whatever, but 
wouldn't you think wouldn't Ronald Jones be kind of the early game back that like you're trying to get the explosive runs and you're trying to get whatever, but wouldn't Leonard Fournette then become like the ice, the game running back. And even just on volume alone, you would bet the over 20 and a half yards. That's a good question. I'm trying to rack my brain to think about who they've used to salt games away. I feel like I did see Fournette quite a bit late in, in some of these recent wins. So yeah, that, that would make sense. Um, yeah, I could get behind that. I mean, if, especially for DFS, because I don't think people, a lot of people will play London Fournette in DFS. But yeah, for the prop 20 and a half, that makes sense. One thing I should add quickly is yeah. that uh, Roto World are reporting that Heineke took the majority of first team snaps today. So we, we might not get Alex Smith. Uh, well, I mean, that would put me on the bucks even more. So, uh, yeah. So if you're, uh, if you're catching this, as soon as you're catching this, if you, uh, if you like the bucks, maybe it's a, it's time to move on it. Cause this, this number could continue to climb. Yeah. Better now. Okay. Let's move on to Sunday's games, the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. This is a three and a half point spread. There are some flat threes. This thing has been toggling, between three and three and a half for the last 48 hours. So every time it gets to three and a half, it gets bet back down to three. Then it gets bet back up to three and a half. And I imagine this is going to continue to do this all the way through kickoff because people tend to have uh, varying opinions on how this game is going to play out. Now, Baltimore, I don't think there's any argument here amongst our panel pr- playing their best football of the season coming into the stretch. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, I think the other thing here that is a little bit of an Achilles heel uh, for the Titans is the fact that it doesn't seem to matter what their opponent is. That opponent is able to move the ball and score and put up points and get yardage on this defense. This defense has been absolutely putrid, and that's why you're probably looking at this spread sitting as high as it is. Brad, uh, three, three and a half as we sit right now in favor of the Ravens. We have a total of 54 and a half. So not just our biggest total, but our biggest total by a lot. Yeah, this is a tricky one. Um, I did take a bit of plus three and a half with the Titans. Um, I'm, I'm still I'm still toing and throwing on it, to be honest. <laughs> so my, my thought was... I'm, I'm not a huge buyer that the Ravens are suddenly back. Uh, it seems to me like like you look at the Super Bowl price, look at the price for this game, they're suddenly being being priced as if they're last year's juggernaut, the one fourteen games. Um, but they, you know, they, they've beaten up the Bengals, the Jags, the Cowboys, and the Browns, who, whose defense we'll get into later, but is terrible as well. And like, I'm, I'm just not convinced that they're suddenly back back um, matchup wise. I also think Tennessee, you, you beat Tennessee by passing the ball, um, which again is, is not necessarily the strength of the Ravens. Um, and then conversely, when Tennessee have the ball, the strength of the Ravens defense is those three corners and, and Tennessee wants to run the ball. So so maybe they match up nicely, um, but th- th- there is also arguments for, for the Ravens, which uh, oh, we can let Brett get into or, or come back to me in a sec. So this is a, uh, Brett, like I said, one of the very worst defenses in all the NFL in the Titans. Um, that being said, what we have started to see here from this team is, you know, kind of under the radar, one of the, one of the best offenses in the NFL as well, which is why they've won games, despite the fact that they give up yards and points and everything in bunches. 
One of the things we don't really have to worry about all that much with the Ravens offense is, you know, these quick strike scores. Yes, they were able to do it a couple of times over the past couple of weeks, but I feel that's a little bit more of an aberration than the norm. It seems like they still want to play the methodical, you know, march the ball down the field, shove it down your throat type situation with this offense. So, um, I understand this line, like of all the lines that came out this week, this was the one where I said, I get it. I understand why it's where it's at. I understand why it keeps getting bought back both ways. I understand why people are taking the hook. I understand why people come back in when it gets to three. Um, This, everything seems to make sense for me in this game. And it also is one of the games, I'll be perfectly honest, if I had to rank as far as my confidence level one to six, as far as how this game is going to turn out, this would easily be sixth on my list because I think this has a vast range of outcomes. That's that's exactly what I was just going to say. I think the range of outcomes for this game are, are by far the widest of the entire week. And that's... It's kind of why I would like my favorite plays is an alternate line of, of like the Ravens just demolishing the Titans here, because I think mm-hmm. once one thing we've seen from the Titans this year is when they get into negative game flow, they are so bad playing from behind. They just can't mm-hmm. get into a rhythm. They're so used to just riding Derrick Henry in the fourth quarter that it, I, I don't know what it's been with them that when they're playing from we saw it with the Bengals, they could not come from behind to beat the Bengals. Like what, what, how are we, how are we supposed to back this team if they're, Mm-hmm. they're they're getting points against a very aggressive talented defense I, I just it's it's really hard for me to get there with the titans but at the same time we look at we look at this ravens team who they've beaten up on the past several weeks i mean look this is a team that now leads the nfl in point differential but they've been beating up on the the bottom of the nfl the past several weeks so i don't i don't know if this team is for real they certainly look like a different team I mean, lamar has been running mm-hmm. all over the place the past several weeks but again like who have they been doing it against? I, I need to see it against a legit team. So I, I can't make up my mind on this game. I think the only play for me is for uh, the Ravens on an alternate line. It's just something ridiculous. I don't even know what the highest alternate line is for this game, but I, I, that's something uh, that I'll be looking at. Um, it's just such a, it's such an interesting spot given what the Titans have done to the Ravens and then the, the two most recent me- meetings. I mean, it's, the Titans knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs last year. So at three and a half, this is, this is a tough one. Brad, 54 and a half is a total in this thing. And people are going to say, what do you mean? These are two of the most run heavy teams in all of the NFL. How in the hell are we getting a 54 and a half total in this thing? And I think one of the deals that we can kind of look at is when we kind of look at the advanced statistics a little bit more is the fact, well, we know what Tennessee's offense wants to be about and if there is a a little bit of an Achilles heel for this uh for this Baltimore defense it would be the run game they're actually 24th in explosive runs allowed in the league where Derrick Henry gets as many of those or more than those than anybody in the entire NFL and then we have this Tennessee then we have this uh then we have this Tennessee defense that yeah Baltimore wants to run the ball and we get that they want to run the ball but you can do whatever you want against this Tennessee defense. It is, it is just, it's pathetic in pretty much every single aspect here. Um, of course, you'd prefer to pass against them, but I don't think that they're going to put up a ton of resistance in the run game either against Baltimore. So what do you think about 54 and a half, despite the fact that we have two incredibly run heavy teams? 
I, I really don't know what to do with it, to be honest. I, I think on Brett's point, the, you know, we, I think whoever gets ahead is, is probably going to win the game. Um, you know, they they both want to run the ball so much and they both struggle to just pass the ball, you know, to just drop back, five-step drop and throw it without play action or without any... Yeah. They're they're both like bully teams, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. like they want to get ahead and just bully you like after they get ahead of you. Getting down and then coming back in a big way. Um, I'm I'm, I'm not really sure what that means for the total Mm -hmm. either, whether that possibly favours an under. Um, You know, if if the other team just literally can't come back because they they can't throw the ball like a like mm. Mahomes possibly would, um, but yeah, I, I've not played it. Um, and I, I guess if you wanted to go that angle, either in play you back a team that's ahead, um, or you know you maybe back some alt lines. You know, even Titans minus six and a half, or whatever, because you know we've seen that Lamar can't necessarily pass his way back mm. into a game either. Yeah, I, 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 like again, I think we embrace the variance in this one, guys. I, I really do. Like you said, like maybe we play alt lines and, and we look at things like that. Like I might get weird and play like a, a first half over, but a full game under because of what we're talking about, where it's like, you know, one team gets out to a, a big lead and, and it, maybe it goes over in the first half, but then they do the salt the clock away thing and the other team doesn't really have the, the firepower to come back and, and score in the second half to catch up. So, I might do some weird stuff like that as well with all of this. I mean, I think this is the weirdest game to play. I think this has the widest range of outcomes. Would not surprise me if if either one of these teams won by 10 plus. Like that would not, like neither outcome would surprise me at all. And so with that, I think I'm just going to go in and try to embrace the variance in this thing and go from there. I think the only thing I would look at would be if you think this goes south for the, uh, for the Titans, the passing prop for Ryan Tannehill is only 237 yards. And like one of the things, like I don't necessarily think that this means they can come back from a giant deficit or anything, but 237 for Tannehill to get to 238, if they have to abandon what they believe, you know, the, the game plan that they believe in like midway through the third quarter, 237, 238, it would be to, to get the over would be very attainable for him because he's not going to have zero passing yards at halftime as it is anyway. So, I mean, he's probably, he's likely going to be, you know, pretty close to halfway there by, by middle of the, by the halftime anyway. So uh, something I would be looking at on that, but past that, I don't really have a ton. I mean, Derek Henry's rushing prop guys is 120 and a half yards. <laughs> like, I mean, 100. it's under or nothing, right? That's an under for me. Easy. It's under nothing, right? I mean, 120 freaking yards. I mean, that's just, that's insanity. So, yeah, I think I'm playing under nothing on that one. But uh, outside of that, just something to think about. If you do believe that the Titans might get rolled, there's a little bit of a correlation to the over passing yards for Tannehill while also going under on Derrick Henry with the rushing yards. Let's talk about the Bears and the Saints. The Saints are 10-point favorites now. 10.5 at points bet. Um, it has uh, set at a 47.5 total. It's stayed pretty steady here for the last little bit. But um, this is a pretty, pretty interesting game here from a standpoint that the Saints are finally going to be, it looks like, fully healthy. So uh, Michael Thomas, Deontay Harris, both designated to return from the injured reserve uh brett they also got back the three running backs not alvin Kamara yet but the other three running backs that were put on the covid list last week because of alvin Kamara's positive test 
the belief is that Alvin Kamara will be a go on Sunday. He is, he will be eligible to come off of the COVID list on Sunday. So long as he doesn't have another positive test, he has not had one so far. I just read an article where they were talking about, they have, they have set up, he is virtually practicing with the team. So like they have hit, they have Sean Payton mic'd up and he is walking Alvin Kamara through the practice, like virtually. So it's like, although he can't be out there, he is virtually practicing with the team. So it seems as if there'll be a full strength saints team going up against this bears team that kind of came back down to earth last week after a few, uh, you know, after a couple of weeks of looking like they could actually pet play uh, Brett, we're looking at a double digit spread in the playoff game. But uh, again, we might see the saints for at full strength for the first time in quite a while. Yeah, it still feels like a bloated number to me when you break down this Saints offense. I mean, typically, if, if I want to be laying a huge number, I want to be backing an offense like KC or Buffalo that can hit you quickly uh, with a deep ball or a, just be able to run up the score on someone. That's not how this New Orleans uh, offense operates. You know, we've, we've talked about this a lot this season. They're, they're efficient, but there's nothing explosive about this unit. They're 19th in explosive passes, and they don't even throw the football that often either, even with Drew Brees under center. So... Yeah, I mean, it feels high. That said, the Bears, towards the end of the season, they beat up on some really bad teams, and they did it with the run game. That's just not a thing you can rely on against this New Orleans defense. And the nice thing about Mm -hmm. playing the Bears when you have an elite defense is that Trubisky is turnover happy and can provide you with a lot of donations in the form of positive field position and even some... Uh, some defensive scores and surely that that's got to be factored in here a little bit, but that's not predictive enough for me uh, to get behind laying double digits on on a run heavy saints offense. Uh, I don't know. This is one of those big spread games that I typically stay away from. uh, And I can't really see myself getting involved with the spread here. Um, But it it does. And this keeps climbing. And if it keeps climbing more, I might have to get involved with the bears. So, Brad, what we saw last week, um, the Bears go, they play the Packers. They only score 16 points. Uh, The Packers able to throw all over this Bears secondary. Aaron Rodgers able to do whatever he wants to do um, against this team. And as Brett mentioned, like they've been trying to ride David Montgomery a ton. He gets 22 carries last week, even though they only went for 69 yards against this Packers team. So even in a very bad, even in a, you know, even playing from behind, they still rode, you know, David Montgomery in this game. That's what they try to want to do. But I mean, this Saints defense is just, uh, you know, right up there against the teams that are going to be very, very tough to run against. Number two, overall rush defense, DVOA, number two, overall rush defense, according to pro football focus. And so now you're going to have to rely on Mitch Trubisky to go and, um, and get it done. And I just don't, you know, look, yes, he had a couple of decent games and I'm not saying that, that he is as terrible as everybody thinks he is, but you know, Mitch Trubisky is, 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 is not a good quarterback and is not, you know, certainly is not a guy that's been able to string together several good games in a row. What we saw also Jair Alexander. Yes. Jair Alexander, one of the very best corners in all the league, but Jair Alexander matches up on, uh, on, on Allen Robinson takes him out of the game. And then what this offense can't do anything, you know, at all. And so I'm pretty sure Sean Payton's pretty keen on that. And they're just going to, to remove Allen Robinson from the game and say, okay, if you're going to beat us with 
Darnell Mooney and and Cole Komet, then by all means, you know, beat us with Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. But Allen Robinson is not going to be that guy. Um, but as Brett mentioned, double digits is double digits, and it is a playoff game. Don't you uh, don't you besmirch Darnell Mooney? He's a he's a hell of a player. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you that Mitch Trubisky is is who we think Mitch Trubisky is. You know, he, he had his hot run against the Jags and the Lions and the Texans, like you know the the, the absolute worst defenses in the NFL. Then he played like a, a middling defense last week, and he started to turn back into who we thought he was. You know, Sixteen points. I think they converted four fourth down, four fourth downs just to just to even get to that number. Um, and now they're playing a, a top five defense, and I think he's going to continue to backslide. Essentially, um, there's going to be pressure in his face. This is one of the, one of the best D lines, and then they've got, as you say, they, they've got the, the defensive personnel in the secondary. They can put Lattimore on Alan Robinson, um, and then they can they can double Darnell Mooney if they want to. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I really don't see the Bears moving the ball that effectively. And then the Saints offense, um, this. But I would say it's going to look as good as it has all year long. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, this is pretty much it's going to be one of the first times they've been truly healthy. Um, and I, I still think it is elite, it's especially in terms of success rate. They're not that explosive, but they, they pick up six yards of play, mm. um, especially in that dome. Um, so, you know, again, the strength of the Bears is the defensive line. Well, the Saints have got one of the best offensive lines in the league, so that they take them out of play. Um, and I, I just think they uh, they can move the ball with ease, really. So at ten and a half, I'm probably not keen on it. If it if it goes back down to nine and a half, which which it may do, then I, it would be a bet for me at that price. Yeah, I, under ten, I think I like the Saints here. I I I look at the blueprint of this game from last week that the Packers used, and I think that the Saints can do the majority of that against this Bears team and maybe even a little bit better considering they have a better defense than than the Packers do. And so uh, as far as the, none of the player props are listed right now, obviously with all the question marks that are around the Saints offense, I would say, however, if um, if they when they open the receiving total for Alvin Kamara, what would be your number, Brett, that you would be that, that you would think would be proper for Alvin Kamara because I feel like maybe because he has been out for a week and a half that they might open this number shorter than where it needs to be well Roquan Smith is out right he's not he's not going to play if he's out then yeah. you can't set a number high enough honestly <laughs> they'll just be able to dump it off to Kamara the entire game yeah like if they set this at 39 and a half or 40 whatever 42 and a half 43 and a, like something like that if it's high 30s low 40s I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to just smash the over button like as many times as they let me before they say you can't, you can't play the over anymore. Cause yeah, it, like I said, I mean, it's out. just, he's, he's Camara. Like, I think they, you know, they're going to, I think this number might come out a little bit shy because of, of, you know, him missing a week and a half and not being able to practice and, and all the, it, you know, the question marks around him and it doesn't take him being at practice to understand how to take a dump off. Right. I mean, like that doesn't like all the routes that he runs, isn't something that him and drew Brees need to practice over and over, over again. They've done it a million times already as it is. So we know that drew Brees loves to throw the ball to Alvin Kamara as well, loves to get him involved. So uh, that would be a prop I'd look at, but again, not listed anywhere right now. Cause again, Alvin Kamara hasn't officially come off the, uh, the COVID list. So something to, to look at there. Uh, any thoughts on the total at all guys? 47 and a half before we move on. I love the under. Oh, all it's right. One of my then. favorite plays of the week. 
I mean, look, both these teams want to run the football. Uh, they both operate at a slow pace. Neither of these teams are going to hit you with a long touchdown consistently. I mean, look, the explosive mm-hmm. play numbers for these offenses are pitiful. The Bears are 29th in explosive passes, 24th in explosive runs. Saints, Saints 19th in explosive passes and 13th in explosive runs. And they all they do is run. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I think this is high. I think this is a couple points high at 47 and a half. So I, I love the under. There we go. So now we do have a play on the total as well. Good. I'm glad we were able to put a, a nice little bow on the Bears and the Saints. So let's close things out here with the Browns and the Steelers. This is our final game on Sunday. This is now sitting six across the board. I guess there is one five and a half at the uh, at FanDuel. What, one thing that we do know is these teams played last week. The, the Browns went off as 10-point favorites, of course. Uh, Big Ben sat, Watt sat, Hayward sat. Um, Mason Rudolph played quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. The Browns win the game. The rest is kind of history. Uh, Kevin Stefanski will not be coaching in this game due to COVID issues. And so with that, we are now sitting at this line that has moved from where it was sitting at four, four and a half to where it is now at five and a half or six, a total of 47 and a half. So, um, Brad, Let's start here with you on this one. And do you, one, let's talk about the line move because of of the Stefanski news. Do you feel that the line moved enough or do you think it moved too much because Stefanski is not going to be on the sidelines? This is, uh, this is uncharted territory, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, maybe the, the Lions, we saw that game where they had no offensive coaches, I think. I think the uh, the head coach was out as well against the Bucks, <laughs> and I think they lost fifty to seven or something. So uh, that's the that's the only data point we have to go on, uh, which isn't promising. So it was it's moved maybe two two and a half points, um, but that that includes Joel Batonio, doesn't it as well? The, the guard who's out. I think I would probably prefer the Steelers side at the current number, especially at five and a half, because I do feel like the Browns' success is driven by Stefanski and the offensive line. And, and both of those things have been hampered, right? It's not Baker Mayfield's like Mitch again. You know, he, he's, if he's in the right scheme against the right opponent, yeah. he, he can look good. But this is not the right... So the scheme's going to be hampered because, the, you know, the head coach, the play caller is not there. Um, and then the offensive line is up against... It's it's kryptonite in you know good pressure up the middle without there without a good guard and then good pressure from TJ Watt on the right side. Um, so I I don't think it's going to go that well for the Browns' offense. Um, I assume Stefanski can phone in his script this week. You know they can they can get their first 15-20 right. plays and they might look good. But you know what what happens when it's the second half and they've got to adjust to the, the pass rush and you know they, they've burnt all their good plays and. You know what? What? what, the, what I, I don't really know what happens then. I, I think it probably starts to go badly for for Baker. So uh, full disclosure, Brett, I liked the Steelers before all this other news. I took them at four. I took them at four and a half. Uh, you and I had a little a preview on Monday about this. Uh, like I, I took them at four. I took them at four and a half. Then this news came out. I feel like a genius. Uh, you know, get, at least I have a couple of points of value here with all of that. Um, so. One of the things that we know about uh, about like one of the things we know about this Browns team is this defense allowed 315 passing yards to Mason Rudolph last week in a must win game for them to get into the playoffs 
and Mason Rudolph was able to go for 315. We watched Mason Rudolph under center last year, and we saw how terrible he is at, at playing quarterback in the NFL. He was able to go for 315 and make this uh, Browns defense look pedestrian average at best. Now, I know Ben Roethlisberger has not been incredibly efficient this year. I know he's not been incredibly sharp this year. I know this offense has been clunky at times. That said, what they have done over the last, you know, it's only eight quarters, but I mean, you know, over the last eight quarters is kind of figured out some certain things about how they can at least maximize what is a clunky offense or what is, has not, you know, what maximize what's been working for them and get rid of the stuff that has not, um, been throwing the ball downfield a little bit more the last couple of games as well, which they should have been doing all along. What's the point in having a guy like Chase Claypool if you're not using him? So, you know, I think they're getting back to some of the things they were doing um, a little bit earlier in the season where it didn't look as bad for this team. I liked it at four, liked it at four and a half. I think even at six, it's playable. The six is become more of a key number these days with, you know, going for two and the miss extra points and all the things like that. I would prefer a five and a half. Like we said, it's available at FanDuel if you're able to bet there, which you should be able to bet there because you can just go to the lines and, and sign up for an account there. So you should do that. But um, I, I I still like it, man. I, I still like it. And I don't think we're, I don't know if it moved good enough. I don't know if it moved enough considering not only is the head coach not going to be out there, He's the guy that calls the plays. He's also the play caller. You're basically you're miss you're you're missing two coaches in one in this situation. And they haven't practiced. They've they've not been in the facility yet this week. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is the moment I've been waiting for to to fade this fraud Cleveland team in the playoffs. And now we get them without their head coach and play caller. I mean, this this is beautiful. Even at six, I I love this for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I, I missed out on my opportunity to get them earlier in the week because I don't have mobile betting. <laughs> uh, I'm happy you were able to, Matt. That that's great. Obviously, you know you got to be feeling good about that. Um, Cleveland doesn't belong in the playoffs, and it's not just because of the the expanded playoff structure. My I think Miami is, was far more deserving to get into the playoffs. I mean, look at this body of work for Cleveland this year. They're 16th in point differential, despite playing the third easiest schedule in the league. They have the worst point differential of the 14 teams left in the playoffs. The worst than Washington. That makes them a prime fade candidate in the postseason against a team that already wiped the floor with him once this season, nearly pulled off the unthinkable upset last week with their second unit against a team, like you said, in a must-win situation. And this is a run-first offense without its head coach and play caller facing the league's best defense. Without Joel Batonio, that's a huge loss up front against an elite Steelers pass rush. Honestly, I I think this should be seven, maybe even more. I, I, I think... I think the Steelers are going to roll here. I think this Cleveland team is completely done. Brad, you know what they say, that if you're in a must-win situation, you must not be very good. And so that is what we found with with the Browns last week. And, you know, they nearly blew it. And, and you know, it was just one of those deals where if it had been the Steelers' full-strength team, you think that they certainly would not have gotten in there. Um, when we take a look at – when we take a look at this from – a if we wanted to make a case for the Browns and and we wanted to make a case for the six here, would it be, would it, I mean, actually not, would it be, it would have to be right that they just were able to find some sort of miraculous, um, like miraculous run game. Cause you know, they want to run the game, run the ball as it is. Anyway, they have the two headed monster there in, in Chubb and hunt. Um, you know, despite the fact Pittsburgh's defense is, is a top five defense against the run in the league. I mean, it wouldn't the only path here for Cleveland 
be the fact that they were able to just run somehow run all over this Steelers team because I don't think we see Baker going crazy for like 330 in this one do we no not at all um, yeah, yeah the way they win they get explosive runs in the run game from Nick Chubb mm. you know like they did last week a 50 yarder a couple of 50 yarders they probably need and then Miles Garrett strip sacks uh, Roethlisberger a couple of times mm. that I mean that's that's how it happens but I kind of, uh, you know, I, I think Roethlisberger with the rest, I think that's that's another huge edge. Um, you, you remember the first game against Cincinnati, he missed the week of practice because he had COVID concerns and mm. he, he came out through for 300, they scored 30 plus and he, and he spoke about how live his arm felt. Um, and now, now he's got that rest again. They, As you said, they were thrown deep downfield um, against the Colts and, you know, letting Claypool and Deontay Johnson go. And, that, you know, that is where you can get the Browns. So... Uh, yeah, the, the Browns do have a path to win. Every, everyone in every game has a path to win, but I think the Steelers match up very nicely. Um, forty-seven and a half, guys. I kind of lean towards the under here as well. I, I don't think the Browns score a ton of points in this game. Like, I don't think the Browns score very many points here. Um, you know, and the Steelers, while I think they have success for sure. I don't know if they are just going to completely light up the scoreboard. I don't think that just, you know, over the last three weeks, they figured out how to beat the Chiefs or anything. And so uh, I actually have a decent little lean towards the under in this one. Brett, what what say you? I'm with you. Uh, you're looking at one team that has been pretty atrocious on offense the entire season in Pittsburgh, 22nd offense DVOA, 29th PFF offense, and the other team that doesn't have its play caller on the sidelines. So uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm on the under here too. I think the, the Steelers, I, I like the Steelers to run this one up, but I, I don't think Cleveland's going to score more than 14 points in this game. So I, I, I do, I do like the under quite a bit. And Brad, I, the other reason I lean towards the under here, and this is just one of those, okay, I'm trying to read the tea leaves and more of a gut feeling type thing, I guess. But if you're if you're out there and you're the interim coach, it seems like you probably err on the side of caution. Like you're not going to come out there and like you know turn this into a freaking running gun spread offense, crazy yeah. you know things that are going. Like it seems like you err on the side of caution, especially when kind of what you do best is the whole Chub Hunt show or something like that. So, um, kind of leads me kind of leads me towards the the under here on forty seven and a half. Um, yeah, I, I like your angles, kind of the, uh, the don't get fired for buying IBM kind of thing. You know, <laughs> just, just run the ball 40 times with Chubb and Hunt and you're, you're probably not getting fired. My concern, and I, so the reason I wouldn't bet the under is I, I do think the Steelers might light them up. Um, you know, oh, I the, like it. The, the, the Browns, they've, they've had one of the easiest schedules. We've gone over this before. Easiest schedules of opposing offenses. Three games aided by wind. And they're still like a bottom 10 defense. And they, you know, as you said, Mason Rudolph lit them up for 8.1 yards per attempt last week. So I think a healthy Ben, um, you know, a refreshed Ben with, with these weapons throwing downfield, I, I'm going to have some, some Steelers stacks in DFS uh, because I, I can see them going... Uh, the team total is about 27 and a half. I think they're going over that personally. Um, so if you want to go under, I would perhaps stick to the Browns under, but um, you know, it's uh, it's, it's whatever you want, I suppose. And uh, you know, a final thought here for the people that do play teasers, this is sitting at six right now. So it's kind of moved into that teaser territory again. So if you do like that, bills leg you know getting the bills down to a, a half a point if you do like that brought uh, bucks leg getting them down to two and a half or something like that i don't hate uh 
pairing that up here with the Steelers either and getting them to just a pick. I, I, I come on. It would shock. It would shock me if they did not Don't win this bet game. at Steelers tears. This is this is where you bet Steelers alternate line as as high as it goes. <laughs> Whatever the highest. Oh, I'm just is. saying if you if you wanted to open one with the Bills or you wanted to open one with the Bucks, like I think this is you know uh, as good a way to close it as as All possible. Right. I, I I see I see very few paths to victory here for for this Browns team. So again, just throwing that out there for the people that like to uh, to play. Steelers those. minus seventeen is plus four twenty. <laughs> there you go. Steelers minus seventeen is Brett's official pick <laughs> on this one. Uh, guys, as always, thanks for uh, for being here with us. We're going to continue this throughout all the way through the Super Bowl. You can find all the written breakdowns at thelines.com, at playpicks.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, thanks so much for that. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button down below. Give us a thumbs up as well. and Let us know in the comment section how you're going to play the games this week. Did we miss any angles? If you have any questions, we'll try to answer those as well. If you want to follow Brett, you can follow him at Brett Colson. If you want to follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL, if you want to follow me, at Matt Brown M2. Thanks for being with us. We'll be uh we'll come back on Monday, wrap things up, and then we'll be back next week for the second round of the playoffs.